0: Welcome to the God is Able Radio Broadcast, the ministry of Old Savannah Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Austin Frady, and we're excited to have you joining us today on the radio. Now go with us as we open in prayer and in song with a message from God's Word entitled The Labors of the Wall, a message preached out of a series from the book of Nehemiah on building a great work for the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name, and we thank you for the opportunity to minister today by way of the radio. Lord, we thank you for every person who's listening today, and God, I do pray for each person. God, in our hearing this morning, Lord, I pray that you touch every knee, touch every heart. God, you know what these folks that are listening today need. and God, I pray for that one that needs encouragement, that one that is discouraged and defeated. God, I pray you touch their heart, that one today that needs to be saved. Lord, I pray that you touch them. And Lord, let them come to you before it's eternally too late. Lord, we ask that you would grant these things. And God, bring forth labors into the harvest. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I
1: started out
0: to walk
1: in the light Shining upon me from heaven so bright I made this world and its follies adieu Lord, I started in Jesus and I'm going through. I'm going through. Yes, I'm going through. I'll pay the price whatever others do. I'll take this way with my Lord's despised view. I have started in Jesus, and I'm going through. I'd rather walk with Jesus alone have for my pillow like jacob a stone living each moment with his face in my view lord i've started in jesus and i With my Lord's despised few, Lord, I've started
0: in Jesus, and I'm the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter number three, Then Elishabib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate, and they sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even to the tower of Meah, and they sanctified it under the tower of Hananiel. And next unto them built the men of Jericho, and next unto them Zachor, the son of Imri, built the fish gate, did the sons of Hanassah, built, and also laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof. Of and the bars thereof, and next unto them repaired miramoth the son of Urijah the son of Koz, and next unto them repaired Mishulem the son of Berahah the son of Mechesabel, and next unto them repaired Zadok the son of Baana, and next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. We're going to stop right there for the sake of reading. What I want you to notice as we read the text before you sit down, we're going to pray. In just a second. What I want you to notice is many of these names are mentioned and the scripture in Nehemiah chapter number 3, it goes into great detail mentioning the names of these people. That's significant in your Bible. So as we come to Nehemiah chapter number 3, we studied beginning in Nehemiah chapter number 1, we've seen the burden that Nehemiah had and we learned about the importance of the wall that was around Jerusalem. We re- if you remember back in the first message that we preached, uh, we-, we talked about how the wall represented some things. It represented to the city of Jerusalem which is the city of God. It represented the strength of that city and of the people and the inhabitants thereof. It represented their security. It represented their sovereignty as a nation. It represented their self-sufficiency and it represented the fact that they was a separated people. That they didn't belong a part of the world. That's why they had a wall. Amen. To keep the world out and to keep them in. These are important principles in the word of God. I find that this wall it gave the city of Jerusalem identity. And if you study any old city city of old you'll find that a broken down wall it showed that there was defeat in that land. Amen. When a wall was broken down it wasn't because it crumbled uh, by, by just uh, not being maintained but it was broken down because an enemy had come and tore that wall down. It symbolized defeat and defeat caused discord among the people. You see this in Nehemiah. That Nehemiah here he is still in Babylon in Shusha the palace and part of the brethren are in Jerusalem there's a discord among the people of God they're not all in the city of God because it lays in ruin and there's distress among the people of God as we learn in chapter number 2 and because of this the Bible says the own people that were there they said we are a reproach and our people and our land is a reproach And so when the people of God become a reproach and the city of God was in a reproach this makes it a reproach to God or God They reproach. Amen. And we see that Nehemiah, he had to survey the condition of his own heart. He saw the condition of the wall, and this symbolized and is a picture of the condition of the people and of the land. And we've seen that in chapter number one, Nehemiah had a burden. Nehemiah, he began to pray. Chapter number two, we've seen the provision that God give to Nehemiah in preparation for the work of God. Then we see them getting down to business at the end of chapter number two, and the people strengthening their hands for this good work. Work in verse number 18 and we see that all this is taking place now understand with me a primary thought through the book of Nehemiah and all of you know this that the wall was built in 52 days right this is a miracle from God that they built the wall in 52 days but understand with me it took Nehemiah some 6 months or so somewhere in that time period to ever get to chapter number 3 chapter number 3 is when the work of beginning to rebuild the wall begins and from, from there to 52 days the wall was completed, a miracle of God in his day as they've done this work by hand and with their own hands, with manual labor. But understand with me there, uh, Nehemiah chapter number one, chapter number two, that's about six months of a period of time. Now think about this with me. Here in verse number one is Eliashib, the high priest, and he's been in Jerusalem. He didn't travel from Persia over into Jerusalem. He's been there. And so it seems to him like in Nehemiah chapter number three that the work of God is really getting started now right but six months ago the work of God was still going on he just couldn't see it Amen. God was preparing long before the wall ever began. In chapter number 3, God was doing a work. And that reminds us that before the first gate was ever built, before the work of rebuilding the wall was ever physically set into motion, before they ever laid, my friend, one beam and set the gates and laid one stone upon another, understand with me, God was working long before that. And that reminds you and I that even when we don't see. God doing. God is still up to things. Amen. God's still working in hearts. God's still doing things. God's still working in lives. Amen. This is a principle all through God's word. Many times the tangible evidence of the work of God is a very short lived thing because it happens in a supernatural sense because it's God that's doing it and it happens just like that. But my friend understand there is much that builds up to that. There is much that proceeds and there is much that follows after the work of God amen we see this in the book of Nehemiah we see the preceding chapters number 1 chapter number 2 God's working my friend just as much in chapter number 1 and just as much in chapter number 2 as he is in chapter number 3 now chapter number 3 we're seeing the tangible evidence of the work of God but God was not working anymore in chapter number 3 or any less than he was working in chapter number 2 and then after the wall was built God still works when you get over there Around chapter number A. And the people, uh, because the work has been done, there's revival that comes in the land. Amen. These are important principles for us to remember. We forget these things. And many times this is a source of our discouragement. Amen. We're working. Amen? Not the case. Amen? And so understand with me that even when we don't see the things tangibly happening, understand that God is still up to something. And so we find that uh, here here they are in uh, Nehemiah chapter number 3. And understand with me that these gates, they are of great importance to the city. But we're going to look tonight, uh, before we get to the gates, we're going to look at the people. Because in the work of God, God uses people, does he not? Amen. This is a principle that, that it follows all the way through the Bible. I find that as God uses people, it's important for us to remember that fact. I get aggravated with people, don't you? Amen. Amen. I, I, I heard a quote some time ago, and I can't even remember now who said it. I've been using it several times. I may even used it in preaching uh, before this. But people are our greatest blessing. When we come to church, to the pastor, people sitting on the pew is a great blessing. Amen. To the choir when you guys are standing up here singing and the pews are filled, it's a great blessing. People are our greatest blessing. But them same people the one that catch you when you're coming down off the stage. Amen. They're the same people that catch you before you go out the door. Amen. People are our greatest blessing, yet people sometimes can be our greatest hindrance. But we've got to remember that people are a blessing and that God uses people in the work of the Lord. Amen. And it's important for us to keep that in our minds when dealing with people because in reality people becoming our blessing, they're just being people or people being hindrances, they're just being people. They're just doing what people do, amen? We're all products of Adam's fallen race, and they're just being people, just like I am sometimes, and just like you are sometimes. And it's important for us to realize. And so we find it in Nehemiah chapter number three, what's God using to build the walls, and what's God using to rebuild the gates of the city? What is God using to do this great work? Well, if you read through Nehemiah chapter number three, I encourage you to do so sometime. If you look in nearly every verse of this chapter, there's somebody's name that is mentioned because that's exactly what God is using to rebuild the walls. Now God's the one that's enabling. God's the one that's empowered. It's to God be the glory for the work that is done but the tools in his hands brother Bobby is people. Amen. And so I find that as we see this, we see an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament principle. Amen. Amen. That here many different people come together and they're doing different and separate tasks, but they are doing these separate tasks to complete one job. Not everybody in Nehemiah chapter number 3 is doing the same job. Those sons do several different jobs and they get done with what they're doing here and they go on over to the next job. We'll get to that in a minute. But my friend, they're doing separate tasks to complete one job. There's one purpose. That's to rebuild the walls, amen, so that Jerusalem is once again a city of strength, once again a city with security, once again a sovereign place, once again self-sufficient and once again separated so that it once again has an identity. When the enemy comes by, that's God's city. That's the city of God. That's where God's people live at. Amen. But not everybody rebuilds the sheep gate. Not everybody rebuilds the fish gate. Not everybody rebuilds the old gate. Amen. But they're all working together for one purpose. And so I see in that the dedication of the people. It was mentioned earlier in testimony. The people are dedicated. And my friend, one of the greatest miracles that we read about in Nehemiah chapter number 3 is not simply that the wall was built. God could have done that just like that. I mean, he spoke the world into existence. God could have rebuilt that wall with one word. But understand women, one of the great miracles of Nehemiah is that God brought these people together in unity. Hey man! And I find that God done this, that this pleases the Lord for people to come together in unity. Psalms 133, the psalmist said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He goes on to say, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even like life forevermore. So we see in verse number one of that psalm that God is pleased with unity and he puts what on it? He puts he, he, he gives us a picture of the oil and he gives us a picture of the dew on Mount Hermon. A type of God putting his seal of approval upon unity among the brethren. Can I say when people come together, though we may be doing separate tasks, when it's all for one purpose, when it's all for one, one common goal, and we come together in unity and we realize that not everybody gets to build the sheep gate, not everybody gets to build the fish gate, not everybody gets to build the old gate, but I've got a part and I've got a place, and when we do that for the glory of God, and we do that for His name's sake, ladies and gentlemen, God is pleased, and God smiles upon that. You know what God does when He smiles upon you and me? He sends His Spirit. Amen. He blesses us by allowing us to feel the presence of God and know that He's real, know that He's tangible, And know that He's there. It reminds us of who we are and where we're going. We get just a little taste down here in a wicked world of a little bit of what heaven is going to be like. You know why I preach so much on the glory of God and preach on the Spirit of God? I believe it's critical for sinners to be saved. I like it when the Spirit comes by. I like it when God gets in the building because it gives us just a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. Amen. I'm going there, friend. That's why I like being around, though kind of services. I find here that God is pleased when, with, with, with unity. He's pleased when we come together. We are dedicated, my friend, to the primary purpose. Primary purpose of the church, the Great Commission. Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Teaching them to observe what sort of things I've commanded you. This is the primary purpose. This is what gives the church, my friend, uh, who it is. This is what Jesus has commanded us. This is our mission. This is our calling. This is what we do. Amen. Now I find that though they are they are dedicated to the work of God, we see that all through the text. But I see, my friend, that the, the people, the laborers, the ones that are working, not only are they dedicated, but they are diverse. There's many different people that are working here. We've seen that as we read these first five verses. Uh, we see the Sheep Gate has different people that are working. Now as you study through uh, Nehemiah chapter number 3, you'll find that some of these people are unrelated. Some of them are related we see that there's families that are working together but they come together some 38 different individuals I believe it is in 40 different groups and they come together to, for one purpose and for one cause and they are diverse they're doing different works we see from the high priest to goldsmiths different people that are coming together with different talents and with different gifts that's what I was meaning to, a minute ago when I said we see in Nehemiah chapter number 3 an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament principle we see See, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 5, the Bible says there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. But in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Wow. Amen. Not everybody looks the same. Not everybody talks the same. Amen. And, and, and I like for people to worship openly, but not everybody worships the same. Amen. And so we find that this is a principle that's true in Nehemiah chapter number 3. There was diversity among the people. They are one people, the people of God, but yet there is diversity. I even noticed in studying our text, verse number 2, there's some men from Jericho that's there. Amen. Building the city. I mean they're outcasts. They're from a cursed city but here they are. They're building the wall. They're building for the glory of God. They're wanting God's city to have identity again. Amen. They're wanting the city of God not to be a reproach any longer. I see in these verses I see that Nehemiah he being the great leader that he was he oversaw the project and he's the one that God had given the burden to in Nehemiah chapter number one. Now remember his burden is not a burden like we talk about of carrying a heavy burden his burden is a a burden or a sense of burning in his heart for the for to do something for God and he took that burden to prayer God provided God prepared and God brought him to the place where what he what God had put in his heart becomes practical amen when God really puts something in your heart I want you to know God's got a plan for it to become practical amen it's not a far-fetched fairy tale. Amen. God puts some things in our hearts sometimes. They may sound way out there. Don't you think that for Nehemiah 800 miles in Shushan, for him to get a burden in his heart, a burning in his soul, to go 800 miles to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that's been laying in ways to get them people together to do that work in the midst of adversity, uh, in the face of an adversary? Don't you know, my friend, that that seemed illogical in his day? But just as sure as God put that burning in his heart, God had a plan. Amen. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for me. I don't know about you, but I'm just crazy enough to believe. We may not be a large church. We may not be very uh, uh, we may not have a lot of ability as far as what, what what is out in front of us, but I just happen to believe God's got a plan for us to reach the world with the gospel. Amen. I believe that. Or at least to be a big part of that. Amen. I believe that tonight. I see that there are leaders. Nehemiah, being the great leader, he puts together these small groups. He puts up overseers over the small groups. He sets forth leaders over the smaller groups. He is the uh, the main overseer. He's the leader of the work. He drives the people. He encourages the people. But then he puts leaders over the individual places. This is a principle of church. Amen. This is what we do in church. This is part of where we get that from. And we see that he sets leaders over these individual projects now remember this is a diverse group of people not everybody is a leader but understand with me there's no inferiority or superiority that leadership is part of the plan of God amen it's part of the plan of God for the operation of God it's part of the design of God it's not about inferiority or superiority it's about getting the wall built Amen. That's the same way in church. It's, it, God has designed leaders and God has designed laborers. But it's not about inferiority or superiority. It's about getting the job done. Amen. Amen. It's about seeing people saved. It's about seeing people grow and be discipled in the Lord. It's about seeing mamas and daddies get right with God and raise their children the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's about seeing married couples that's about to split apart, come back together. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about seeing the work of God, the Bible, come to life and the work accomplished. Amen. Amen. It's not about inferiority and superiority. It'd be a good day in our lives when we got that out of our minds. And we just submitted to the Word of God and said, God, I'll fit in just wherever you want me. Amen. Amen. And help us. I find that there are leaders in the work and I find there are labors in the work. There were people there just who just got in there and they done what was needed to be done. Amen. They labored. They worked. They got in there and they set them stones one upon another. They built the gates. They done whatever needed to be done so that their part of that wall could be completed. Amen. The Bible says, Matthew nine thirty seven. Then saith he to his disciples, talking about Jesus, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Amen. I want to say tonight, spiritually speaking, in the wall that we're trying to build, the work we're trying to do for God, there's plenty of stones. Amen. Amen you want to do something for God, I want you to know tonight there's plenty to do for God. It may not be what you think it is. It may not be glamorous. It may not be a a, a big glorious thing that puts you on top where people see you, but I want you to know this evening there is plenty of work to do for the cause of Christ. There's plenty of work to do. I'm talking about just in this church. You don't even have to go outside of these walls to find work to do for the glory of God. You don't have to leave Sutton Branch. You won't have to leave Jackson County. There's plenty of work to do right here ladies and gentlemen the harvest is plenteous but the laborers are few amen Amen. listen we're in desperate we're in a desperate need of laborers I see there's leaders I see there's laborers notice with me there's load bearers now there's a difference in a laborer and a load bearer Amen. If you study the text and I didn't read these for time's sake, but if you look with me at verse number 11, verse number 19, verse number 21, verse number 27, verse number 30. I know y'all didn't get all of them, but anyway, verse number 11, notice with me about the middle of that verse. The Bible says, "repaired the other piece." And the tower of the furnaces. Verse number 19, notice with me, middle of the verse, another piece over against the going up to the to the armory of the turning of the wall. This continues on, verse number 27, verse number 30. Now, those words, other and another, used in their context in the Scripture, means that they those people that are mentioned, they had already done their task, and they was moving on doing another task. Amen? There's some people in Nehemiah chapter number three, they done their task. They were laborers. They done their part. They were laborers. We need some of them. Amen? But then there were load bearers. They done their part and when they got done, they said, praise God, my brethren still out there working. They haven't. I've got mine done. They had not got theirs done yet. I'm going to go help them. I won't rest while they're working. Amen? Amen. That's the load bearer. And understand with me, they say that, and I believe this to be true. I believe this this to be true in this church. I believe it to be true in every body of local assembly that I've been around. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Amen. Many times that's true. Not always, but at times that's very true. Amen. This is true in Jesus' ministry. I, I find that there were leaders, there were laborers, there were load bearers, and then I find there were lazy people. Amen. I'm sorry, it's in the text. Look with me, verse number 5. And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their of their Lord. Now, look at the last part of that verse. That's convicting. They put not their necks to the work of Nehemiah. No. They put not their necks to the work of Jerusalem. No. But to the work of their Lord. They weren't being lazy on Nehemiah. They weren't being lazy for their church or Jerusalem. But they are being lazy on their Lord. Amen. The very reason that they were the people that they were, they were being lazy. But notice this with me. This is what encouraged me. That's a discouraging thought when you see that. But understand this with me. The Bible says the Tekoites, they were still working, it's just their nobles. Amen. They had some people among their ranks that were too good to get their hands dirty. Amen. They had some people among their ranks that were too good to get down in the trenches and actually pick up stones, actually set up the gates. I mean, they they may have bigger and better things to do while they wasn't doing nothing for God. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. May God help us, everyone of us to never come that place. May God help us realize that there's nobody from the pastor to the back door that's that's above scrubbing a toilet, amen, that's above sweeping a floor, that's above ushering people in from their car to get in the house of God. May God help us. There's no task that is too menial because we're doing it for the work of the Lord. Amen. But notice the Ticoas, Brother Joey, they kept on working, despite the fact that their own leaders didn't. Amen. They kept on working. They realized, amen, who they were working for. Oh, thank God. Romans chapter number 14, verse number 12, I believe it is. Now the Bible speaks about this, and, and the Bible says that we are accountable unto God. Bible says, so then every man shall give an account of himself to God. When them nobles, whenever they had to stand and give an account to God, and and whenever the Lord said, you don't get no reward for that wall. You was there. You watched, but you didn't labor. Them techoas, brother Ira, probably them nobles looked down on them a little bit. Them nobles thought they had it all figured out. Amen. Thought he was real smart because it's getting out of the work. But when it comes judgment day, when it comes judgment day, Amen. Them nobles gonna have to step back. And them folks it was dirty and nasty, beating up, brother Bob. Their hands is probably worked to the bone. Amen. They understand we got the leaders, we got the laborers, we got the load bearers, and then we got the lazy folk. Which which category do you fit in right now? Think about it. Don't answer that loud. Which category do you fit in, but which category can you be in? Amen. Amen. Everybody in here fits into one of those categories. But it don't really matter tonight which category you're in. It matters tonight what you're going to do with what God's doing in your heart. Not which category are you in, but which category are you going to be in tomorrow? Which category are you going to be in next week? Amen. Which category are you going to be in two years down the road? Because i got news for you. Jesus said when he took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi and they looked at the wickedness, they looked at the people that were flocking to that place, and and I'm sure his disciples were just shocked and awe. but Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail. He's speaking about the church. i got news for you until Jesus comes back there's still going to be a church. I don't know how it'll function. I don't know how it'll all work out. I don't know all the ins and outs, and outs. But I do know on the authority of God's word that until Jesus comes back in the rapture, I know there'll be a church. There'll be an elect. Amen. And so where will you be if Jesus don't come back in the next few years? Where will you be a couple of years down the road? Which category will you be in? That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to hear this message in its entirety or join us in one of our services, find us on Facebook or visit us at our website at oldsavannah.org. And we would like to give you a personal invitation to come and be in one of our services on Sunday morning at 10 and 11 a.m., 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night as we travel verse by verse through the book of John. We're located at 138 Sutton Branch Road in Silva, North Carolina.